Welcome to the Rally Point Podcast, where we equip you to support others. I'm Bobby Jackson. And I'm Noah Throw. And today we're talking about supporting others when you yourself are emotionally distraught. Noah and I will be wrestling with the feeling we get when we feel like we have to divide into two people, one trying to support someone else and the other uh, ourselves being broken. And sometimes we feel that feeling simultaneously. And so we're going to be talking through that, and we're also going to give you some tools to help you if you've ever been stuck in a similar situation. I'm pretty sure today's topic is a problem every ministry leader has faced. But Noah, let's take a second to kind of get into it. Can you recall a time where you were forced to help someone else while you were feeling distraught yourself? Can I I recall one time? If it's just one time, you know, definitely. I think the question is, when have I not felt that way? Most prominently, yeah, I can think of a couple years ago, I took an internship at, uh, at a church, and... I was going through some really rough personal stuff. There were some family issues. Uh, I was just really ambiguous about my future in ministry. I was really wrestling with some personal emotional issues. I was going to therapy to figure some of that stuff out. But yeah, I mean, you know, you're it's a 40-hour week internship at a church. So you're talking to volunteers. You're planning events. You're trying to care for students effectively. Mm-hmm. And throughout all of that, I was you know, waking up every day thinking about, I don't know what my future is in my family. I don't know what my future is for myself. I don't know what my future career is going to look like. And so I was just anxious mm-hmm. all the time. And a lot of the time I was really discouraged because it's, mm-hmm. you know, what if this amounts to nothing and I get out of this internship and I don't know what I'm doing. So I, you could say for sure I was emotionally mm-hmm. distraught. Mm-hmm. And we'll get into kind of, you know, how I dealt with that a little later. But, well, okay, you made me you know, figure out how I was feeling. So I'm going to turn it around and ask you the same thing. I mean, you've felt that though. Can you, yeah. you know, just kind of yeah. explain a time that you've had to help somebody yeah. when you were not really feeling maybe up to the, the task? Yeah, basically every single Sunday morning. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know, as a youth pastor, like our, our programming was always on Wednesday nights. And so Sunday morning was a time where we were required to be at church uh, but we didn't have a, a specific role, and I, like as a as a parent with young kids, uh, we're foster parents, so we had you know quite a few kids. We have three of our own, and then uh, we'd have you know two to two to three other kids coming with us. My wife and I managed to get in a fight on the way to church most days. That country song like about the Sunday mornings is so not true. Like Sunday mornings are pure chaos in our house. And it's the time, at least for me, where people would come and like randomly drop problems. So like in other contexts, I knew the role, the timing, I was in control of the setting. And on Sunday mornings, it was like people just like somebody would randomly find me and tell me all about all their problems. And I'd be sitting there going, I got my own problems and I just feel sick to my stomach. Sometimes I just want to run and hide somewhere, but I was kind of required to be visible. And so not, not super easy. Yeah. One thing I always appreciated about you as a pastor is your door was always open for people to come and speak to you about your problems. But obviously, you know, you want to be a loving pastor, but then when you have that problem on a Sunday morning and somebody comes yeah. and dumps stuff on you, it's just, I'm sure it's overwhelming. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I'm sure 
some of you guys listening, you know, maybe you've experienced that mm-hmm. too. Maybe you're that pastor on Sunday mornings who wants to love, but also is just feeling overwhelmed. And, you know, that's that's totally normal. And uh, that's what we're going to be talking about today, overcoming that mm-hmm. and uh, and learning how to support people even in the midst of that duress. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and for me, uh, in those moments, if I don't notice and tend to my feelings, um, it actually has uh, bad effects. Like I, I notice sometimes I'll lash out or sometimes I'll, I'll start to get passive aggressive. Um, I for sure will dread certain people, certain students, and I will intentionally avoid them. So if I'll see them come in, I'll, I'll have my back to them or, uh, or I'll do something like that. So let's just start off with the question, how do you go about recognizing that you're feeling distraught before you hurt somebody else who, who is vulnerable? Yeah, I, you know, I'm very, you know, caught up in my feelings a lot. So I'm very quick at figuring out that I'm distraught, but you're laughing because you know it's yeah, true. The, well, but, yeah. it's true, but we're the opposite in that. Like, yeah, yeah, I yeah. tend to be numb and you tend to feel every single feeling. Yeah, yeah. So, well, I know, well, that's... You know, to, to be fair, I mean, I feel distraught and I can label it quickly mm. because it's after years of recognizing patterns that kind of lead yeah. me into that distress. You know, the first key, I think, is essentially finding patterns that, you know, keep you as a leader yeah. stuck after the initial stress comes, right? So you were talking about, you know, you're in the car with your wife in a fight on the way to church. That's the <laughs> initial distress. But then I'm yeah. sure there's patterns, you know. Yeah that um, after that moment of stress comes that you maybe engage in that kind of amplify that distress and, hmm. and get you caught in that. Um, so, you know, I was talking about when I was serving at that church for for a couple of months and just every single day waking up and it was an issue. And, you know, there were those initial things that were stressing me out, but then I definitely um, added to the stress by, you know, staying up really late because I was so anxious and didn't want to go to bed, you know, because then I just have to get up and feel anxious again. Um, you know, definitely not eating, sometimes just coming in and, and honestly, sometimes sitting alone and working actually perpetuated some of that distress because all I could do sitting alone in a room trying to prepare for ministry mm. was thinking about all the things that were stressing yeah. me out. Yeah, yeah I, I really... Uh, I just didn't prepare. I just kind of reacted to the mm. stress as it was mm-hmm. as it was piling on. Mm-hmm. And for you, don't you you tend to when you have those kinds of um, those kinds of struggles, you go into a space where you self loathe and you shame yourself for feeling those ways because you you tend to go, well, I'm supposed to be helping people, right? And here I am struggling with these things. Yeah. you kind of spiral. Yeah, because it's that idea of. You know, I'm supposed to be this, but I'm not, so yeah. I feel bad, but I shouldn't feel bad, yeah. but I am, so I feel bad, and it just keeps kind yeah. of spiraling down and down yeah. and down and taking you back up and spiraling yeah. down and down and down. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, so I'm, uh, my pattern is a little different from yours, and maybe if you're listening, you'll resonate to one of us more than the other. Um, but as I commented, I tend to numb. So I have this, like, very effective on and off switch to my feelings, and I and I can I usually leave my feelings like. in the off switch. Um, I, I prefer them in the off switch, and I struggle a lot more to get into my feelings. I think than you do, Noah. So, um, and what that that tends to mean is I can be non-empathetic, and like I said, it will it will play itself out in ways where um, where it, it takes cognizant effort, takes work to recognize. Like if I'm avoiding mm-hmm. a student because they're unpleasant. 
um, like it's I don't get along with them, but I, I start to avoid particularly the ones that are hurting because they're the most work. Mm. Um, and because the reason I turn my feelings off is I'm a performer by nature. I want people to like me, mm. and I want them to celebrate my accomplishments. I want those are the kinds of things that I that I really want. And so, in order to get those things, <clears throat> I can't show. I won't show my feelings. I, I won't express them. And um, the way that my body has started to internalize those things is I just press them down, I press them down, I press mm. them down, and then I act passive aggressive. Mm. I, 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 it leaks out like a, like a volcano under a lot of pressure. It just leaks out the sides if, if there's too much pressure. Um, so for sure, that's more of, of my struggle is the, is the numbing, which comes out as passive aggressive, mm-hmm. not so much self-loathing. I tend to self-praise. I'm like, well, I'm so great, <laughs> so I shouldn't feel these things. I'm not emotional like you know. <laughs> I can turn it off. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Well, that's interesting. And I mean, it's good that you're so self-aware about that. So, I mean, my question would be, you know, you know that about yourself. Mm-hmm. I think we've both expressed that we know ourselves emotionally pretty well. But what are some of the things that you have to actively do maybe that you figured out over the years for the days that you are feeling emotional or that you have turned off and numbed yourself when you know that you're still going into church that Sunday morning and you have to help those students that's your responsibility and honestly I mean you know that's still your passion even in those moments of of frustration or distress yeah yeah, I, I mean, one of the one of the biggest things that we talked about is is recognition. So um, we have to recognize where we are, who we are, um, and a lot of a lot of those things. So one of the interesting things about both of the ways that our brains tend to work, yours and mine, is I, I think you tend to be more on the pessimistic side, and I tend to be more on the optimistic side. I disagree. And, <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I want to see everything as the best possible. So even when I'm, like, avoiding someone, like, I self-praise in order to mm. work myself through that. Um, and uh, mm. I would guess that you tend to more go into that self-loathing. You're, you're more in the, I must be worthless, so I should give this up, and mm. maybe I'll just quit, sure. and that sort of space. And And so there's... One part of it, for sure, is getting realistic, like becoming uh, more of a realist. Like, okay, so right now I am feeling this way, and I, um, and, and if I live in line with these feelings, here here's the outcome. And starting mm-hmm. to recognize the patterns, um, and so there, there's one one element where where when I see the pattern itself, I start to tame the pattern. I start to have control over it. Hmm. So what what we're really doing in the in psychology terms is we're externalizing the problem. Yeah. The the way that both you and I are talking about it, we have both externalized our problems, and by doing that, we can actually work on the problem itself. We are no longer subject to it. We have hmm. a choice. When we don't externalize it, it just is us. Yeah. And we don't have any any choices. So, uh, for sure, one of the, one of the things over the years has been um, the process of trying to see myself realistically Mm. that's no that's good i think that externalization of it's not i am the problem it's i have a problem Mm -hmm. and once you do that it it Mm. takes some of the stress off just saying i have a problem because if you have a problem problems can be solved if you are a problem you know the way to solve it it seems to be to turn those emotions off or like to run away and hide you know and so just even externalizing it is good and finding a way to um yeah, you know, yeah. Salt. The other yeah, piece of of seeing it realistically is understanding that our emotions affect the people we're trying to do ministry to. Yeah, so absolutely. a lot of us are in denial about that. Uh, we we tend to think, oh, I can't. For for me, for sure, I can do ministry even if I'm feeling 
like mm-hmm. yucky. Mm-hmm. Um, I can still help them. I can help them. And so it mm-hmm. becomes this like paternalistic thing where like I have the solution and I'm even better than them maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reality is when I'm feeling yucky, I do worse ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. I just need to recognize that when I'm feeling yucky, I am not as prepared. I yeah. am not as trustworthy when they're sharing their problems. Um, I'm not as as competent to yeah. deal with some of those things. So I have to name that. If I'm not realistic about that, we're going to have some big time problems. Yeah. So if I want to do good ministry, one of the things I have to be aware of is I can't give something I don't have. Mm. If I'm not healthy, I'm not going to give health to anybody else. So you say you can't give something you don't have. And what I hear from that is that you you have to find ways to to get that thing and to stay in that space where you can have or be prepared, I guess you would say, mm-hmm. um, to do ministry to those students. So I, I guess does that is that a you know a support system? Mm-hmm. Is that like a cycle or you know we've talked about patterns yeah. of distress, but obviously yeah. if there's patterns of distress and feeling distraught, there's patterns mm-hmm. that can bring you out of that and patterns you can lean into mm-hmm. um, to continue to support yourself. So do you you know? Do you build support systems around yeah. yourself um, yeah. to prepare, I guess, for when that distress comes? Yeah. Do you have patterns? I do. Um, so I think the way that I conceptualize my own support system is not like – a lot of people, when we say the phrase support system, uh, we actually start to like, oh, it must be my my friend group or it must be like – I don't know, my, my, my mentor or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but honestly, I conceptualize my support system in, in four quadrants. So I mm-hmm. think about my support system in terms of my mental support system or, or emotional support system. Those are kind of the same thing. Yeah. Like how, how do I deal with what's going on inside of my brain and body? Um, uh, my physical support system, what am I actually doing for mm-hmm. my body? Um, to take care of it. My social support system, my my external um, uh, people, uh, my my wife, my friend group, my mentors, all of those people, mm-hmm. and my spiritual support system. Mm-hmm. How am I going about supporting myself um, in my own spiritual life? How do I? How am I going to go about praying through this, or or talking with God through this, or reading my Bible, or mm-hmm. or um, participating in the church? those kinds of things that's to me that is the support system we're talking about yeah yeah definitely and um yeah you know what's interesting when you say building a support system i can think specifically of um i think you mentioned there you know the social part the physical part the mental part the spiritual part and i can think specifically of you know you're talking about every sunday and i'm i've been referencing more that specific season of my life but i can remember every day of that season i was trying to wake up and, and work out in the afternoon. I was trying to, you know, read my Bible every morning, get time um, in the in the prayer closet. I was trying to engage with those friends who were nearby. I was seeing a therapist. I was, you know, trying to recognize those patterns and even just, again, externalize them. Um, I think what's interesting is that, you know, a lot of the time we want clear-cut answers of a support system is this friend, this emotion, yeah at this time every yeah. day. But it's yeah. it's not that simple because, you know, if we're getting into patterns of um, distress, a lot of those are maybe repeating phrases or repeating um, situations. And it's kind of the same way with that support system is it's less about, 
you know, having the exact schedule down to the minute, but it's more about where are the resources that I know are always present or what are maybe the consistent things that, uh, that are in my life that I can go to, um, to, you know, to feel supported, to feel encouraged, to feel built up, to become refreshed, Mm -hmm. to become, um, rested. And, you know, so it's not like, well, if I take a nap every day from three o'clock to three 30, I'm going to, you know, just be this amazing ministry ministry leader. But it's more about saying, okay, well, I've noticed that like, you know, some nights I'm up, you know, Friday night, Saturday night, and then I go to church on Sunday and I'm not feeling that great. So the pattern is not, you know, take a nap, but the pattern is, you know, get rested, Mm -hmm. you know, stay physically healthy, Mm -hmm. or it's, um, you know, I feel distressed at the end of a long week when, you know, I've only... Um, you know, been reading my Bible or really engaging with uh, with the Lord maybe um, occasionally. And it's not like, well, then you have to get up every single day at 5.30 a.m. and read from 5.30 a.m. to 6 a.m. and yeah. then, um, you know, say this prayer, go through like yeah. this exact routine. But it's more about, you know, okay, so I see the pattern is each week that I am rarely in Scripture, I do not feel that great. So how do I create those patterns and those systems to make sure that I'm consistently mm-hmm in prayer, in scripture, mm-hmm. um, resting, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, so it seems less about setting up this specific, you know, to-the-letter plan and more yeah. about what are these patterns, what are these systems that I can uh, know that I have in my life to rely on when mm-hmm. when I'm feeling that distress. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, a, yeah. that's a good point. Yeah, so I, what you're describing is that you are prioritizing taking care of yourself in all four of these mm-hmm. quadrants. Yeah. Um, but you're also saying, like you're emphasizing, it might be different. Not, I mean, it, it, it is different from person to person. So every person who's listening um, is going to have a unique, uh, an, a unique system for taking care of these four things in their lives. Um, but also, you had a dis- different system at that season of life. Yeah. And it's okay. Like, that's that's a good thing. Yeah, that's changed. And that, that changes. So let's talk just a little bit about some of the things that have really worked for you. So what has uh, what has each of the four quadrants worked even right now? Like, yeah. what, what are some of the things that, ha- that have been really effective? Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, we talked about how I'm in my emotions a lot, how you have that switch. And mm. I do not. But I've found that, um, you know, a lot of those emotions come from being in my own head. So, I mean, as we look at these four quadrants, I think about physically, you know, if I'm getting exercise, if I'm, you know, going on walks or going on runs or biking yeah. or whatever it is, if I'm, you know, focusing on, um, you know, taking care of my body, mm-hmm. that is obviously outside of my own head. And so being able to just become, I guess, more aware of the fact that that mm. is present allows me to be um, kind of more in the moment yeah. because I'm just aware of, you know, so taking care of my body. When you actually take care of your body, you feel more present. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's interesting taking care of our bodies. It changes over time. Yeah. I remember when I was younger, I had, um, I'm not more old, time. but I had less, well, I had more time, but I also had less physical needs mm. than I have as I get older. Mm-hmm. Um, so both my wife and I have, have, eaten a lot more plants as we've gotten older. We've started right. to eat cleaner things because um, uh, because our bodies won't won't put up with the garbage yeah. we used to do. Um, so some of these things, like it, it's realizing, for me, it's been realizing I've changed over the years. Mm. And if I continue to do what I was doing, I'm going to um, 
I'm going to feel lethargic. I'm going to yeah. feel um, worse. And, and my ministry is, is, yeah. is going to um, uh, bear the effects of that. So I've changed what I do over time yeah. um, to help improve my, my physical feeling. It yeah. also means like, like you know, there were there's there are years with young children where I've not gone to the gym, and so it's like making up yeah. for some of that. It's like I used to be an athlete, and now I'm less. Yeah. But um, but uh, caring for myself physically, it really it mm-hmm. the thing I think about is it does have an effect on yeah. on the the hurting people I'm trying to help. Yeah, uh, it has a, an effect on my own longevity, and, and so it really really does matter. Yeah. Uh, what about um, so you tied your physical fitness, your physical self-care into your mental experience, your, your emotional experience. Mm-hmm. What kinds of things do you do mentally to take care of yourself? It sounds kind of odd, but I, I'm i a big verbal processor. And that doesn't mean that I have to talk to people. It just means that I have to externalize my thoughts. So I think a big part of it is journaling. For okay. some reason, mm-hmm. I think really helps mentally because when you see you know, sometimes it totally, when you're making a joke or when you're having a conversation, sometimes in your head you think, mm-hmm. oh, this would be a great joke. Oh, I totally understand what this is like. And then you yeah. say it, and when you externally say it, mm-hmm. all of a sudden you, you know, sometimes you get that awkward moment where it's like, oh, that that didn't make sense, or wow, now I look stupid. Mm-hmm. And when you journal, it's sort of that same thing mentally where you're putting it down, and then you can go back 30 seconds or like a couple of minutes later and yeah. look at it and read it, and then you can really conceptualize what's going on in your own head, whether that be... Um, feelings of self-loathing, feelings of anxiety. Sometimes I would write stuff down and I wouldn't even recognize that I was angry or frustrated with something Mm -hmm. until I literally wrote down, I can't believe that this is happening. I'm so mad. And and it's like, why would writing that down help? If I'm mad, don't I know it? But for some reason, literally just Mm -hmm. having that on a page in front of me helped me process it mentally. And uh, I know you journal pretty often. Is that, has that been your experience? It has over time. Uh, at times, there there are, there are um, for me, journaling has been really really helpful when I'm uh, processing um, pain that another person has caused me. Mm. I'm trying to understand the differences between what is my fault and what isn't my fault. That's been a really really helpful part of journaling for me. Mm-hmm. I also like for me, counseling has been a really important part of my life Absolutely. as a therapist. I really believe in it, but it's kind of there's times where it's also really humbling. Like I'm, I'm a professional therapist myself. I went to one of the best schools in the world for my social work schooling, and uh, I own a company that tries to help other people deal with their their problems. And yet, um, I have to stay humble yeah. because I can start to get into this place where I want to feel good or yeah. something, and so I don't need the help. Mm. And and choosing making the intentional choice to stay humble, to realize like there are times where I can't get through this on my own, mm-hmm. where I need somebody on the outside to bounce my ideas off of mm-hmm. or my um, to act as a mirror to reflect back what I'm saying or thinking. So um, for me, a big part of my mental health has been periodically um, uh, for different problems or different seasons going and talking to somebody else mm-hmm. about uh, about what, what what's going on. Yeah. And, and figuring out a way, we said this earlier, but to name our, my emotions is a really hard thing for me mm. because I have that very strong Switch. off button. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't notice them quickly. And they can take over without me realizing mm. that I've felt them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, 
I mean, you're mentioning that, you know, therapy is, is really helpful in terms of mental capacity, but I find that, and I, I don't know if you've found this as well, but when you're talking about processing and naming things, I found that even socially, mm-hmm. um, and I think you mentioned that earlier, socially is, is one of those maybe four mm-hmm. quadrants, yeah. but having that community, whether it's that small group, whether it's your wife, whether yeah. it's, you know, um, the church community, or even sometimes yeah. coworkers that you really trust or friends you've had for a long time, yeah. being able to have... Um, maybe that social net that one refreshes you mm-hmm. that two is maybe a place of vulnerability where you can process things yeah. um, if you know uh, efficiently and, and effectively and then but also having people just in those times of distress who encourage you you know mm-hmm. I think one of the most helpful things for myself is being having a couple of people who I can go to and say you know I am feeling this way mm-hmm. and I just need you to be here mm-hmm. and I can specifically remember I had a couple of friends who <laughs> like there was a point in my life where I was just beyond distressed and I went over to their house and they just said, you know, you can just come over and just feel this way. And I was just in their living room sitting there. And sometimes it would just be me literally moaning into a pillow, just being like, oh man, I just, oh, I can't stand this. And they were just there to say, that is really tough and we're here for you. And even just providing that social space for me to be able to just express that helped so much in moving forward from you know getting yeah. caught up in that in that distress. Yeah, yeah. For me, the the social piece, it's it's kind of weird. We talk about like spiritually, we should have rhythms, like your daily daily Bible reading, mm-hmm. or you should go to church every week. For me, my social rhythms really matter. Mm. Um, so my wife and I have committed to like a, a weekly date night, and uh, since we started dating twelve years ago, we've been married almost ten years. Um, we've gone on a Thursday night date every week mm. minus those horrible holidays like Thanksgiving that get in the way. Yeah. Um, and that rhythm is really critical for my ministry. Mm. Like that's the day I, 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 uh, I vent all the things. Uh, my wife and I get uh, our, our um, baggage out of the way and then we have fun together and we, we refresh, we give each other energy, we pour mm. into each other and encourage each other. And that's been one of the most life-giving things for me is yeah. treating... Um, treating my social life like it matters. Mm. Um, and so there's times where, as leaders, we can be really tempted to overspend on the people that drain us yeah. and under, uh, underutilize like our, our, the, yeah. like our social network that gives us energy. And, and both are good things. Like we need to care for those who are yeah. hurting. But at the same time, um, it's really important to find that balance of like, I need people who pour into me. Mm. And then I can pour into others and, and finding that kind of that balance between the two. Yeah. Um, but for me, it's been a lot of, a lot of finding those rhythms. Um, I have a, a weekly call with my best friends. And, and so those are the moments, those are the things that really, um, that really have helped uh, me yeah. socially. And um, then yeah. I think you mentioned it earlier, but you said, you know, you have social rhythms just like you have spiritual mm-hmm. rhythms. So I think yeah. the last quadrant there would be, you know, your spiritual rhythms and how, do you have specific things that like your date night that you've been doing for like 10 or 12 years that you just find are the most productive for you? Well, so oddly, (laughs) I I think maybe I'm a rebel because I I have found life in opposites here. Like I feel a lot of pressure to do spiritual rhythms Mm -hmm. like a daily Bible reading or something like that. Um, So I've struggled a lot of my life to find that perfect rhythm um, and what I found most helpful is to take God on dates. So, like, I have a, a, a rhythm of, of going and reading a book of the Bible at a time. Mm. Um, it, like, like, yesterday was the book of Acts. And just spending a couple of hours um, 
in one section. Mm -hmm. For me, that's been more life-giving than the daily stuff. Um, so doing the daily stuff has, has sometimes found its way into religiosity for me, and it loses um, its the, the relational, the yeah, the reverence, the the refreshment, mm. and, and kind of that space that that I think God wants us to live our yeah. spiritual lives in. So what I've really tried to do is actively pursue the things that bring life. Mm. Um, and for me, that is weekly church, and that is these like dates with God, and uh, that is my community group, and that is like those those spaces where I actively seek God mm. out, um, and uh, those times actually in reverse where I let God speak. Um, and, and so what I'm trying to do is find, whether it's rhythmic or just super arrhythmic, like I'm just going to go away for a retreat and, and let God speak into my life. Um, for me, it's been the constant pursuit of, of life versus rhythm in that space uh, yeah. has been really helpful for me. Definitely. Well, and I really appreciate what you said about um, the reverence and the taking a long time rather than falling into the religiosity. I think about, you know, when I see um, old roommates from college or friends I haven't seen in a couple of months, when I see them, I am filled with such joy because it's, wow, I get to be in this person's presence. I get to interact mm -hmm. with them. And it sounds like that's what has been really life-giving for you. I know for me, it's, um, it's funny because we are opposite in, you know, how we manage the emotions. And I think we're opposite in how we, you know, do the spiritual rhythms. Yeah. I am very much about like, I love to every single day read a little bit of scripture, pray, do the like Bible memory, and then like read a prayer out loud because for me it's about having the consistent touch point. I'm, you know, I get caught up in my emotions. So yeah. having um, a like being able to reorient myself around God yeah. um, and recognizing that my emotions are a small part of my life because, you know, he is the main focus is, is a yeah. huge thing. And, um, you know, I think one thing, you know, we're talking about four quadrants, but I think one thing that's really important to keep in mind is a lot of these things overlap, you know? I mean, you're talking yeah. about um, therapy and that's, you know, that's a social exercise. It's also a mental exercise. Yeah. You know, you're talking about going on dates with your wife, which is a social thing. Um, you know, it's also a mental thing. It's also a spiritual thing. You're yeah. growing together spiritually. Yeah. And so I think it's important to remember that while we're talking about it in terms of quadrants, yeah. all four of these quadrants you know, it's it's less of a box situation. It's more of a Venn diagram where there's some things that you do yeah. or patterns that you can establish that yeah. really hit on two or three of these things and yep. can be especially life giving in in those times of yeah. of duress. Yeah. Um, and as as a leader, the the key here is that you prioritize these things mm, for yourself. Yeah. Because it's out of health in all four spaces that you begin um, that that you're able. To help somebody else, definitely. Um, so, neglect, honestly, in any of the four spaces, is going to affect the way that you're able to do ministry. Yeah. Great. Well, yeah. So, Bobby, if there's one thing uh, to really, you know, take away from this conversation we'll be having, I, I would characterize it as you have to take care of yourself in all these four quadrants: the spiritual quadrant, social, mental and physical. So first, the social quadrant. Yeah. Find friends you are refreshed by, that, that give you energy, that pour into you, and that encourage you. And the next one would be the physical quadrant. Yeah. Prioritizing rhythms that are good for your body. Uh, eat, exercise, sleep. Uh, the key is to set yourself up well for the times that you have to support others. Yeah, and then part of that is also being mentally prepared, the mental quadrant. Yeah. Developing patterns of thinking that are going to anchor you to reality. So work to become a realist. 
Uh, be present with your feelings. When you name them, you tame them. When you name them, you tame them. And then uh, the spiritual quadrant, I think, too, would be the final one. Yeah. Your spiritual life is the foundation of your ministry. So find ways to stay close to God, uh, whatever it takes. Hey, if what you've heard today is helpful to you, we want to equip you even more in your ministry. That's why Rally Point has a coaching program. Uh, We help ministry leaders become prepared and confident. Our Rally Point coaches guide leaders through tough topics every day, and we can help you become a healthier leader so that you're able to guide other people to find healing, even on the days you're feeling distraught. For us, it's all about helping leaders be equipped to make a difference in the lives of hurting people. You can get started or find out more by visiting rallypointmen.com slash coaching. You know, one thing that sticks out to me is that these four quadrants are constant, but they change in different seasons. And this is a process for everybody. So like you said, like I've experienced, this is just going to change, you know, throughout our life. It's going to look different in different seasons. You know, when you're younger in ministry, when you get married, when you have kids, when you're running, you know, a company Mm -hmm. and a ministry Mm -hmm. and a family. Yeah. Yeah. And every person is different. It's kind of what's sticking out to me is the way that you and I process is so different from each other. Uh, But we both, we both need something in the four quadrants but it's not the same thing as each other. So there, there are times where people try to prescribe, like, this is the best solution. And the reality is every person is unique. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if you want to figure out what works for you, we've got a great resource. It's a worksheet you can use to process where you're at in these four quadrants. And it's something you can use today to figure out what you need in order to stay healthy and prepare yourself to serve others. To get that worksheet, Go to rallypointmen.com slash podcast and subscribe with your email. You'll get a link where you can download this resource and get others that we've created just for you. Uh, If you're already an email subscriber, the link to this resource is already in your inbox. And if you like what you heard today, we'd ask that you rate or review this podcast. By doing that, you'll actually help other leaders find this podcast as a resource and they will be able to become prepared leaders as well. And we'd love to hear from you. So tell us how this helps you or what challenges you're facing that we could cover. Send us an email to hello at rallypointmen.com. Hey, we really appreciate you tuning in. And we're looking forward to continuing these conversations with you next week. Yeah, uh, I think lots of leaders are facing the same thing as you. So if you are feeling distraught while doing ministry, you're not alone. So we hope this episode has been helpful to you. And we look forward to working through some stuff again with you next week.